Sail across the Mediterranean long enough and the mists will part and you will come to a land where minimalism is dead. The pastel buildings rise out of the crystal sea. Jazz floats on the warm breeze down the city streets. A hand is not complete without a drink in it. Parties are for dancing and romance can be found in even the most unlikely places. There is no room for sadness here. We believe in opulence, in joy, in the beauty of life. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Illyria. We hope you'll stay with us a while. If music be the food of love, play on. Twelfth Night, or What You Will, by William Shakespeare. Presented by the Theatre at Woods Hill. terrible storm has finally ended and a ship has washed up on the coast. From the wreckage emerges Viola, a young maiden, with the ship's captain. They are all that remain of their crew. What country friend is this? This is Illyria, lady. And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. What think you, sailor? It is perchance that you yourself were saved. Oh, my poor brother. And so perchance may he be. Knowest thou this country? Aye, madam. Well, for I was bred and born not three hours' travel from this very place. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature, as in name. What is his name? Orsino. Orsino. I have heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very like. I thank thee. Lead me on. The country's crowning jewel is the Hotel Illyria, the home of the wealthiest socialites and officials of our time. The penthouse suite belongs to Duke Orsino, the island's leading bureaucrat. His home contains all the modern amenities and his companions want for nothing. A few days have passed since the shipwreck. Orsino listens to a group of hired musicians with his butler, Curio, and his other companions. Viola stands among them. To protect herself, she is disguised as a man named Cesario, and quickly has earned the respect of the Duke. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken, and so die. Ah, that strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear, like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Enough, no more. Tis not so sweet now as it was before. Will you go hunt, my lord? What, Curio? The heart. Why, so I do, the noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. How now? What news from her? So please, my lord, I might not be admitted, but from her handmaid do return this answer. The element itself, till seven years' heat, shall not behold her face at ample view, but like a cloisteress she will verily walk. 
all this to season a brother's dead love, which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance. Who saw Cesario? Oh! On your attendance, my lord, here. Cesario, thou knowst no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors and tell them, there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord. If she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she will never admit me. Be clamorous and leap all civil bounds rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Orsino triumphantly exits, while Viola looks after him wistfully. Yet a barful strife. Where I woo myself would be his wife. Just across the concourse lives the Lady Olivia. Once considered the most beautiful woman in Illyria, she has retreated from public life after the tragic loss of her beloved father and brother, rarely appearing without her mourning veil. The only company she keeps these days are her chambermaid Mariah, her butler Malvolio, and her uncle Sir Toby Belch. Today, as usual, Toby Belch lounges in Olivia's sitting room, while Mariah chastises him. By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier nights. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exceptions to your ill hours. Why, let her accept before accepted. Aye, but you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order. Confine? I'll confine myself no finer than I am. These clothes are good enough to drink in, and so be these boots, too. And they be not, let them hang themselves in their own straps. Ugh, that quaffin' and drinkin' will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday. And of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to be her wooer. Who? Sir Andrew Aguecheek? Aye, he. He's a very fool and a prodigal. They add, moreover, he's drunk nightly in your company. <laughs> With drinking elves to my niece. I'll drink to her as long as there is passage in my throat and drink in Illyria. The knight, Sir Andrew Aguecheek, enters the penthouse with a flourish. Sir Toby Belch. How now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. Fair lady, do you think you have fools in hand? Sir, I have not you by the hand. Very, but you shall have, and here's my hand. Ugh, now, sir, thought is free. Faith, I'll home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Your niece will not be seen, or if she be, it's four to one, she'll none of me. The Count himself here hard by woos her. She'll none of the Count. She'll not match above her degree, neither in estate, years, nor wit. I have heard her swear it. Tut, there's life in it, man. I'll stay a month longer. I am a fellow of the strangest mind in the world. Oh, knight, thou lackest a cup of canary. Shall we set about some revels? What shall we do else? 
Sir Toby and Sir Andrew head for the door, tipping their hats to Mariah as she enters, running after Feste, the most sought-after jester in Illyria. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter in the way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang me. Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. Well, go thy way. If Sir Toby would leave drinking, thou wert as witty a piece of Eve's flesh as any in Illyria. Peace, you rogue. No more of that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely, you were best. Wit, and it be thy will, put me into good fooling. Those wits that think they have thee do very oft prove fools. And I, that am sure I lack thee, may pass for a wise man. For what says Quinopolis? Better a witty fool than a foolish wit. Olivia enters in mourning garb, closely followed by her butler, Malvolio. A God bless thee, lady. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Go to, you're a dry fool. I'll know more of you. Besides, you grow dishonest. Two faults, Madonna, that drink and good counsel will amend. The lady bod, take away the fool. Therefore, I say again, take her away. Sir, I bod them take away you. Miss Prisian, in the highest degree. Good Madonna, give me leave to prove you a fool. <sighs> Make your proof. I must catechize you for it, Madonna. Could my mouse of virtue answer me? Well, sir, for want of other idleness, I'll bide your proof. Good Madonna, why mournst thou? Good fool, for my brother's death. I think his soul is in hell, Madonna. I know his soul is in heaven, fool. The more fool, Madonna, to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven. Take away the fool, gentlemen. Olivia manages to crack a smile. (laughs) What think you of this fool, Malvolio? Doth he not mend? I marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal. Oh, you are sick of self-love, Malvolio, and taste with a distempered appetite. There is no slander in an allowed fool, though he do nothing but rail, nor no railing in a known discreet man, though he do nothing but reprove. Madam... There is at the gate a young gentleman much desires to speak with you. From the Count Orsino, is it? I know not, madam. Tis a fair young man and well attended. Who of my people hold him in delay? Sir Toby, madam, your kinsman. Fetch him off, I pray you. He speaks nothing but madman. Fie on him. Go you, Malvolio. If it be a suit from the Count, I am sick. Or not at home. What you will to dismiss it. (laughs) By mine honour, half drunk. What is he at the gate, cousin? Oh, a gentleman. A gentleman. What gentleman? Tis a gentleman here. A plague of these pickled herrings. (laughs) Cousin, cousin, how have you come so early by this lethargy? Lechery? I defy lechery. There's one at the gate. Aye, marry. What is he? Let him be the devil, and he will. I care not. Uh, Madam, yon young fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. Oh, tell him he shall not speak with me. He has been told so, and he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. Oh, 
let him approach. Give me my veil. Come, throw it over my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. Olivia sits with her back to the door and her veil over her eyes. Malvolio opens the door for Viola, disguised as Cesario. Mariah, Malvolio and Toby then depart. The Honourable Lady of the House. Which is she? Speak to me. I shall answer for her. Your will? Most radiant, exquisite and unmatchable beauty. I pray you, tell me if this be the Lady of the House. I would be loath to cast away my speech. For besides that it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Are you a comedian? No, my profound heart. And yet, by the very fangs of malice, I swear I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. I will on with my speech in your praise, and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what is important in it. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it. Then tis poetical. Yet you began rudely. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? Ha! In what chapter of his bosom? To answer by the method in the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It is heresy. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? Ah, you are now out of your text. But... We will draw the curtain and show you the picture. <sighs> Look you, sir. Such a one I was this present. Is it not well done? Lady, you are the cruelest she alive. If you will lead these graces to the grave and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out divers' schedules of my beauty. Were you sent hither to praise me? I see you what you are. You are too proud. But if you are the devil, you are fair. My lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompense, though you were crowned the nonpareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate, and call upon my soul within the house. Write loyal cantons of contemned love, and sing them loud even in the dead of night. Halloo your name to the reverberate hills and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Oh, Livia! Oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state as well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him send no more, unless, perchance, you come to me again to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I thank you for your pains. Love, make his heart a flint that you shall love, and let your fervor, like my master's, be placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. 
Olivia watches her go. Something has stirred her. What is your parentage? Ah! Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, actions, and spirit do give thee fivefold blazon. Oh, not too fast. Soft, soft. Unless the master were the man. Oh, how now? Even so quickly may one catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. Oh, I do, I know not what, and fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate. Fate. Show thy force. Ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be. And be this so. As she absent-mindedly twirls a ring on her finger, she hatches a plan. The lady instructs Malvolio to chase after Cesario, claiming he left this ring behind. She will see him again today. She'll make sure of it. We find Viola heading down the hallway back to Orsino's rooms. Malvolio catches up with her. Were not you even now with the Countess Olivia? Even now, sir. On a moderate pace, I have since arrived but hither. She returns this ring to you, sir. You might have saved me my pains to have taken it away yourself. Receive it so. She took the ring of me. All none of it. Come, sir, you peevishly threw it to her, and her will is it should be so returned. If it be worth stooping for, there it lies in your eye. If not, be it his that finds it. I left no ring with her. What means this lady? Fortune forbid my outside have not charmed her. None of my lord's ring. Why, he sent her none. I am the man. If it be so as tis, poor lady, she were better love a dream. Disguise, I see thou art a wickedness, wherein the pregnant enemy does much. How will this fadge... My master loves her dearly, and I, poor monster, fawn as much on him. And she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. What will become of this? As I am man, my state is desperate for my master's love. As I am woman, now, alas, the day, what thriftless sighs shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time, thou must untangle this, not I. It is too hard a knot for me to untie. When the sun sets on Illyria, a party can be found on every corner. The drinks flow freely and the music soars. Dancing is for pleasure and not for skill. 
And while Lady Olivia is most withdrawn these days, her entourage has lost none of their sense of fun. Approach, Sir Andrew. Not to be abed after midnight is to be up betimes. Nay, my troth, I know not. But I know to be up late is to be up late. A false conclusion. To be up after midnight and to go to bed then huh? is early. So that to go to bed ah. after midnight is to go to bed betimes. Huh. Oh, here comes the fool in faith. How now, my hearts? Did you never see the picture of we three? Welcome, ass. Now let's have a catch. Would you have a love song or a song of good life? A love song, a love song. I, I, I care not for good life. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, stand here, your true love's coming That can sing both high and low Oh, a mellifluous voice, as I am a true knight But shall we make the welkin dance indeed? Shall we rouse the night owl in a catch That will draw three souls out of one weaver? Shall we do that? Ah, and you love me? Let's do it! I am dog at a catch by your lady, sir, and some dogs will catch well. Good, in face. Come, begin! Hold thy peace. I bid thee hold thy peace. Ah. Hold thy peace. I bid thee hold oh. thy peace. Hold <laughs> thy peace. I bid thee hold thy peace. Hold thy peace. I bid thee hold thy peace. Mariah wobbles in, having clearly been woken up. She fumbles for the overhead light switch. What? If my lady have not called up her steward Malvolio and bid him turn you out of doors, never trust me. My lady's a Catham. <laughs> we are politicians. Malvolio's Pega Ramsey, and three merry men be we. Am I not consanguineous? Am I not of her blood, Tilly Valley Lady? They're all demanding. Toby grabs Mariah by the waist and twirls her around the room. Oh, God, peace. Malvolio storms in, not nearly as forgiving. My masters, are you mad? Or what are you? Have you no wit, manners, nor honesty, but to gabble like tinkers at this time of night? Do you make an alehouse of my lady's house? That you squeak out your coziest catches without any mitigation or remorse of voice? Is there no respect of place, person, nor time in you? We did keep time, sir, in our catches. Snack up! Sir Toby, I must be round with you. My lady bade me tell you that though she harbours you as her kinsman, she's nothing allied to your disorders. If you can separate yourself and your misdemeanours, you are welcome to the house. If not, and it would please you to take leave of her, she is very willing to bid you farewell. Art any more than a steward? Dost thou think, because thou art virtuous, there shall be no more cakes and ale? Mistress Mary... If you prized my lady's favour at anything more than contempt, you would not give means for this uncivil rule. She shall know of it by this hand. Go shake your ears! T'was good a deed as to drink when a man's a-hungry. To challenge him in the field and then to break promise with him and make a fool of him. <laughs> Do it, knight. Ah. I'll write thee a challenge, or I'll deliver thy indignation to him by word of mouth. Oh, Sweet Sir Toby. Be patient for tonight. 
for Monsieur Malvolio let me along with him. If I do not call him into a naywood and make him a common recreation, do not think I have wit enough to lie straight in my bed. I know I can do it. What wilt thou do? I will drop in his way some obscure epistles of love, wherein by the color of his beard, the shape of his leg, the manner of his gait, the expression of his eye, forehead, and complexion, he shall find himself most feelingly personated. I can write very like my lady, your niece. On a forgotten matter, we can hardly make distinction of our hands. Excellent. I smell a device. I have it in my nose, too. He shall think, by the letters that thou wilt drop, that they come from my niece, and that she's in love with him. Ah, ah. my purpose is indeed a horse of that color. And your horse now would make him an ass. <laughs> oh, twill be admirable. <laughs> Sport royal, I warrant you. I know my physic will work with him. For this night, to bed and dream on the event. Farewell. Good night, Penthesilia. Mm-mm. Before me, she is a good one. She's a beagle, true bred, and one that adores me. What of that? I was adored once, too. <sighs> come, come. I'll go burn some sack. Tis too late to go to bed now. Come, night. Come, night. Early the next morning, on the coast, two castaways drag their lifeboat onto the shore. One is Antonio, a pirate, and the other is Sebastian, who looks eerily familiar. Will you stay no longer, nor will you not, for I go with you? By your patience, no. <laughs> My stars shine darkly over me. The malignancy of my fate might perhaps distemper yours. Therefore, I shall crave of you your leave, that I may bear my evils alone. It were a bad recompense for your love to lay any of them on you. Let me yet know of you whither you are bound. No, sooth, sir. My determinate voyage is mere extravagancy. But I perceive in you so excellent a touch of modesty that you will not extort from me what I am willing to keep in. Therefore, it charges me in manners the rather to express myself. You must know of me then, Antonio. My name is Sebastian. My father was that Sebastian of Mezzaline, whom I know you have heard of. He left behind him myself and and a sister, both born in an hour. If the heavens had been pleased, would we had so ended? But you, sir, altered that, for some hour before you took me from the breach of the sea was my sister drowned. A lost to die! A lady, sir, though it was said she much resembled me, was yet of many accounted beautiful. But though I could not with such estimable wonder over far believe that, yet thus far I will boldly publish her. She bore a mind that envy could not but call fair. She is drowned already, sir, with salt water. Though I seem to drown her remembrance again with more. Pardon me, sir, your bad entertainment. 
I am bound to the Count Orsino's court. Yar! The gentleness of all the gods go with thee! Sebastian heads up the beach. Antonio watches him sadly. I have many enemies in Orsino's court, else would I very shortly see thee there. But, come what may, I do adore thee so. The danger shall seem sport, and I will go. Antonio <laughs> races after him towards the hotel. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Orsino's penthouse, once again Viola, Curio, and other attendants lounge with the Duke as musicians play. Come hither, boy. If ever thou shalt love, in the sweet pangs of it, remember me. For such as I am, all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How dost thou like this too? It gives a very echo to the seat where love is throned. Thou dost speak masterly. My life upon young though thou art, Thine eye hath stayed upon some favor that it loves, had it not, boy? <laughs> a little, by your favor. What kind of woman is Of your complexion. Ah, she's not worth thee, then. A, a feste, the jester, my lord. A fool that the Lady Olivia's father took much delight in. He is about the house. Oh, fellow comes! The song we had last night. Are you ready, sir? Aye, prithee, sing. Come away, come away, death. And in sad cypress, let me be laid. Fly away, fly away, breath. Slain by a fair Kumaid My shroud of white Stuck all with you My part of death No one's so true sweet on my black coffin let there be strong not a friend not a friend greet my poor corpse where my bones shall be thrown
<sighs> There's for thy pains. No pains, sir. I take pleasure in singing, sir. I'll pay thy pleasure, then. Now, the melancholy god, protect thee. Feste takes his leave. Once more, Cesario, get thee to yon same sovereign cruelty. But if she cannot love you, sir? I cannot be so answered. Sooth, but you must. Say that some lady, as perhaps there is, hath for your love as great a pang of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her. You tell her so. Must she not then be answered? <laughs> there is no woman's sides can bid the beating of so strong a passion as love doth give my heart. Aye, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In faith they are as true of heart as we. We men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than will. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. Something passes between them. A spark, perhaps. <clears throat> but they quickly back <clears throat> away. Uh, sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, that's the theme. To her in haste. Uh, give her this jewel. Say, my love can give no place. Bide no denay. Viola hurries out the front door. Orsino watches her go. Something has changed in him. What you need to know is, behind the Hotel Illyria is a sprawling public garden complete with grapevines and fig trees and the most colourful flowers. The perfect place to serve up some sweet revenge. Here's how it goes. Maria has written a letter to Malvolio pretending to be a love-struck Olivia. She drops it on the path where she knows Malvolio walks every day. She, Toby and Andrew hide behind the bushes and all that's left to do is wait. Malvolio wanders into the garden, lost in his own thoughts, then notices the abandoned paper. Ah. Ah. What employment have we here? Oh, by my life, this is my lady's hand. These be her very C's, her U's and her teas, and thus makes she her great peas. Oh, it is in contempt of question, her hand. To the unknown beloved, this and my good wishes. Hmm. Jove knows I love, but who? Lips do not move, no man must know. I may command where I adore, but silence like a Lucrece knife with bloodless stroke my heart doth gore. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Well, if, if this should be thee, Malvolio. Fustian oh, Riddle. Excellent Wednesday. Oh, what a dish of poison she has dressed him. And with what wing that Daniel checks at it. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Oh, nay, but first, let me see, let me see, let me see. I may command where I adore. Why she may command me? I serve her, she's my lady. Oh, softly, M-O-A-I. Why, that begins my name. 
every one of these letters are in my name. <laughs> Soft. Here follows prose. <laughs> if this fall into thy hand, revolve. In, in, in my stars I am above thee, but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. <laughs> thy fates open their hands, let thy blood and spirit embrace them, and to inure thyself to what thou art like to be, cast thy humble slough and appear fresh. Be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants, let thy tongue Tang arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity. She thus advises thee that sighs for thee. <laughs> Remember who commended thy yellow stockings and wish to see thee ever cross-guarded. I, I say remember, go to, thou art made if thou desirest to be so. If not, let me, let me see thee a steward still, the fellow of servants and not worthy to touch fortune's fingers. Farewell, she that would alter services with thee, the fortunate unhappy. <laughs> Daylight and champagne discovers not more. Oh, this is open. Yeah, I will be proud. I will read politic authors. <laughs> I will baffle Sir Toby. I will wash off gross acquaintance. I will be point device the very man. Oh, I thank my stars. I am happy. I will be strange, stout in yellow stockings and cross-gartered, even with the swiftness of putting on. Jove, I thank thee. I will smile. I will do everything that thou wilt have me. <laughs> Nalverio rushes off beside himself. Toby, Andrew, and Mariah emerge from their hiding places. Why? Thou hast put him in such a dream that when the image of it leaves him, he must run mad! If you will then see the fruits of the sport, mark his first approach before my lady. He will come to her in yellow stockings, and tis a colour she abhors, and cross-guarded, a fashion she detests, and he will smile upon her which will now be so unsuitable to her disposition, being addicted to melancholy as she is, that it cannot but turn him into a notable contempt. If you will see it, follow me. The Merry Three retreat to await the next great show. As they leave, Viola wanders through the flowers, taking a moment for herself before she must meet with Olivia again. She daydreams of Orsino, but is interrupted when Feste comes down the path. Save thee, friend, and thy music. Dost thou live by thy tabor? No, sir. I live by the church. Art thou a churchman? No such matter, sir. I do live by the church, for I do live at my house, and my house doth stand by the church. I warrant thou art a merry fellow, and carest for nothing. Not so, sir. I do care for something, but in my conscience, sir, I do not care for you. Art not thou the Lady Olivia's fool? No, indeed, sir. 
The Lady Olivia has no folly. She will keep no fools, sir, till she be married. <laughs> and fools are as like as husbands as pilchards are to herrings. The husband's the bigger. I am indeed not her fool, but her corrupter of words. I saw thee late at the Count Orsino's. Foolery, sir, does walk about the orb like the sun. It shines everywhere. I would be sorry, sir, but the fools should be as oft with your master as with my mistress. I think I saw your wisdom there. Hold, there's expenses for thee. Now, Jove, in his next commodity of hair, send thee a beard. By my troth, sir, I'll tell thee I am almost sick for one. Festive dances away. This fellow is wise enough to play the fool, and to do that well craves a kind of wit. He must observe their mood on whom he jests, the quality of persons and the time, and like the haggard, check at every feather that comes before his eye. This is a practice as full of labor as a wise man's art, for folly that he wisely shows is fit, but wise men, folly fallen, quite taint their wit. Olivia then approaches from the back door of the hotel, and Viola quickly snaps back into her role of Caesarea. <clears throat> Most excellent accomplished lady, the heavens rain odors on you. <laughs> Give me your hand, sir. My duty, madam, and most humble service. What is your name? Cesario is your servant's name, fair princess. <laughs> My servant, sir. Which was never merry world since lowly feigning was called a compliment. Your servant to the Count Orsino, youth. And he is yours, and his must needs be yours. Your servant's servant is your servant, madam. Oh, for him, I think not on him. For his thoughts, would they were blanks rather than filled with me. Madam, I come to wet your gentle thoughts on his behalf. Oh, by your leave, I pray you. I bade you never speak of him again. But... Would you undertake another suit? Oh, I had rather hear you to solicit that than music from the spheres. Dear lady, Give uh... me leave, beseech you. I did send, after the last enchantment you did hear, a ring in chase of you. So did I abuse myself, my servant, and I fear me, you. Under your hard construction must I sit, to force that on you in a shameful cunning, which you knew none of yours. What might you think? I pity you. That's a degree to love. <laughs> no, not agrees, for tis a vulgar proof that we very oft pity enemies. Why then? Methinks tis time to smile again. Oh, world, how apt the poor are to be proud. If one should be a prey, how much the better to fall before the lion than the wolf. <laughs> oh, the clock upbraids me with the waste of time. Be not afraid, good youth. I will not have you. And yet, when wit and youth is come to harvest, your wife is like to reap a proper man. Oh, there lies your way. Do west. Then westward ho. Grace and good disposition attend your ladyship. Stay. Oh, I prithee tell me what thou 
thinks of me. That you do think you are not what you are. Oh, if I think so, I think the same of you. Then you think right. I am not what I am. I would you were as I would have you be. Would it be better, madam, than I am? Oh, I wish it might, for now I am your fool. Oh, what a deal of scorn looks beautiful in the contempt and anger of his lip. Oh, a murderous guilt shows not itself more soon than love would seem hid. Love's night is noon. Cesario, by the roses of the spring, by maidhood, honor, truth, and everything, I love thee so that maugre all thy pride, nor wit nor reason can my passion hide. Do not extort thy reasons from this cause, for that I woo, thou therefore hast no cause, but rather reason, thus with reason, fetter. Love sought is good, but given unsought is better. By innocence I swear, and by my youth, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth and that no woman has, nor never none, shall be mistress of it, save I alone. And so adieu, good madam. Nevermore will I my master's tears to you deplore. Yet come again, for thou perhaps mayst move that heart, which now abhors to like his love. Viola runs out of the garden. Olivia attempts to pursue her but eventually turns back. <sighs> you know what all the kids are wearing in Illyria these days? Cross-gartered stockings. It's when you take a garter belt and crisscross it over your tights. Lady Olivia finds it abhorrent, but poor old Malvolio doesn't know that. So when he begins to prance about the penthouse in the latest trend, Mariah dutifully informs her mistress that the old Puritan has gone mad. The ladies find him waiting in the gardens around midday. Uh, uh, oh no, Malvolio! Sweet lady! <laughs> Smilest thou? I sent for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad, lady. I could be sad. <laughs> this does make some obstruction in the blood, this cross-gartering, but what of that? <laughs> if it please the eye of one, it is with me as the very true sonnet is. Please one and please all. Why, how does thou, man? What is the matter with thee? Not dark in my mind, though yellow in my legs. Wilt thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed? Oh, aye, sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. God comfort thee! Why dost thou smile so and kiss thy hand so oft? Aye, how do you, Malvolio? At your request? Yes, nightingales answer doors. Why appear you with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness. Twas well read. What meanst thou by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. <laughs> 
some achieve greatness. What sayest thou? And some have greatness thrust upon them. Heaven restore thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings. Thy yellow stockings? And wished to see thee cross-gartered. Cross-gartered? Go to, thou art made if thou desirest to be so. Am I made? If not, let me see thee a servant still. Why, this is very midsummer madness. Good Mariah, let this fellow be looked to. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have a special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. Olivia runs back into the hotel, and Mariah goes to find Toby. Oh, <laughs> do you come near me now? No worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. Oh, this concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose that I may appear stubborn to him. <laughs> Nothing that can be can come between me and the full prospect of my hopes. Which way is he? In the name of sanctity, if all the devils of hell be drawn in little, and Legion himself possessed him, yet I'll speak to him. Ah! Go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private... Go off! Lo, how hollow the fiend speaks within him. Did I not tell you? Sir Toby, my lady prays you to have a care of him. Ah, does she so? Pray God he be not bewitched. Go hang yourselves all. You are idle, shallow things. I am not of your element. <laughs> you shall know more hereafter. <laughs> and Malvolio makes his way through the garden to the hotel. Is possible. His very genius hath taken the infection of the device. <laughs> Nay, pursue him now, lest the device take air and taint. The house will be the quieter. Later that afternoon, Olivia and Cesario stroll through the gardens arm in arm. I have said too much unto a heart of stone, and laid mine honor too uncherry on it. There's something in me that reproves my fault, but such a headstrong, potent fault it is that it but mocks reproof. With the same behavior that your passion bears goes on my master's griefs. Here, wear this jewel for me. Tis my picture. Refuse it not. It hath no tongue to vex you, and I beseech you come again tomorrow. What shall you ask of me that I'll deny? That honor saved may upon asking give? Nothing but this, your true love for my master. How with mine honor may I give him that which I have given to you? I will acquit you. Well, come again tomorrow. Fare thee well. A fiend like thee might bear my soul to hell. <sighs> Olivia heads back inside, and Sir Toby quickly approaches. He has been charged by a jealous Sir Andrew to challenge Cesario to a duel for Olivia's hand. Gentlemen, God save thee. And you, sir? That defense thou hast, but take thee to it. Of what nature the wrongs are, thou hast done him, I know not. But thy interceptor, full of despite, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard end. Dismount thy tuck, be yar in thy preparation, for thy assailant is quick, skillful, and deadly. You mistake, sir, I am sure. No man hath any quarrel to me. 
You'll find it otherwise, I assure you. Sir Andrew enters, attempting to be brave, then hesitates. I'll pox on it, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he will not now be pacified. Plague on it, and I thought he had been valiant and so cunning in fence, I'd have seen him damned ere I'd have challenged him. Come, Sir Andrew, there's no remedy. Come on, to it. Pray God he keep his oath. I do assure you, tis against my will. And who should happen to be walking by but the pirate Antonio? He jumps between them with his sword drawn, prepared to defend his dear friend Sebastian to the death. Put up your sword! If this young gentleman hath done offence, I take the vote on me! If you offend him, I for him defy you! This is the man. Do thy office. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. You do mistake me, sir. No, sir. No, Jot. I know your favor well, though now you have no sea cap on your head. Take him away. He knows I know him well. Will you deny me now? Is it possible that my deserts to you can lack persuasion? I know of none, nor know I you by voice or any feature. Oh, heavens themselves! Come, sir, I pray you go. Let me speak a little. This youth that you see here, I snatch one half out of the jaws of death, relieved him with such sanctity of love. And to his image, which me thought did promise most venerable worth, did I devotion. But oh, how vile an idol proves his God. Thou hast, Sebastian, done good feature shame. This man grows mad. Away with him. Come, come, sir. Antonio is led away in handcuffs by the officer. Methinks his words do from such passion fly that he believes himself, so do not I. Prove true imagination, oh, prove true, that I, dear brother, be now tamed for you. He names Sebastian, I, my brother, know, yet living in my glass. Even such and so in favor was my brother. And he went, still in this fashion, color, ornament, for him I imitate. Oh, if it prove, tempests are kind, and salt waves fresh in love. Wait! Wait! A very dishonest, paltry boy, and more a coward than a hare. His dishonesty appears in leaving his friend here in necessity and denying him. God's eye lit all after him again and beat him. Do. Cuff him soundly, but never draw thy sword. Mm -hmm. I dare lay any money, twill be nothing yet. Mm. Moments later in the lobby of the Hotel Illyria, the real Sebastian has wandered inside to admire the splendor. Sir Andrew and Sir Toby approach and... Wait, didn't they just get done fighting with him? But, but, uh, now, sir, have I met you again? There's for you. Why, there's for that. And there. 
And then, <laughs> are all the people mad? Oh, sir, or I'll throw your uh, dagger over the house. Nay, let him alone. I'll go another way to work with him. I'll have an action of battery against them if there be any law in Illyria. Olivia rushes in just as the fist fight escalates. Hold, Toby, on my life, I charge thee, hold. Will it ever be thus? A gracious wretch, fit for the mountains and barbarous caves where manners ne'er were preached. Out of my sight! Oh, be not offended, dear Cesario. Rude boy, be gone! Sir Toby Belch and Sir Andrew sulk away. I prithee, gentle friend, let thy fair wisdom, not thy passion, sway in this uncivil and unjust extent against thy peace. Go with me to my house, and hear thou there how many fruitless pranks this ruffian hath botched up that thou thereby mayst smile at this. Thou shalt not choose but go. Oh, do not deny. Beshrew his soul for me. He started one poor heart of mine in thee. What relish is in this? How runs the stream? Or I am mad. Or else this is a dream. Let fancy still my sense in thee steep. If it be thus to dream, still let me sleep. Nay, come, I prithee, would thou'st be ruled by me? Oh, madam, I will. Oh, say so, <laughs> and so be. <laughs> she takes his hand and leads him upstairs. <laughs> to do what, you may ask? Well, I'll leave that to your imagination. Meanwhile, Malvolio has been deemed certifiably insane and is being held jailed in the basement of the Hotel Illyria in almost complete darkness until he can be further examined. And this is where Sir Toby, Sir Andrew and Mariah have their fun. <laughs> thou dishonest <laughs> In the darkness, they torture Malvolio, making him feel as miserable as he's made them feel. Ow! Hyperbolical fiend! How vexed thou this man! <laughs> Punishment for every time he's put a stop to their happiness. Remain thou still in darkness! darkness. <laughs> Until the Puritan is a shadow of his former bravado. There was never a man thus abused! I'm, I'm no more mad than you are! <laughs> in the grand dining room of the Hotel Illyria that evening. Orsino and Viola dine with the Duke's entourage at the largest table. Viola can hardly take her eyes off him and it seems the feeling might just be mutual. Suddenly the police burst into the dining room with Antonio in handcuffs. Here comes the man, sir, that did rescue me. That face of his I do remember well. Notable pirate. Thou salt-water thief, what foolish boldness brought thee to their mercies, whom thou in terms so bloody and so dear hast made thine enemies? 
He did me kindness, sir. Drew on my side. Orsino, noble sir. Antonio never yet was thief or pirate. Hmm? Though I confess, on base and ground enough, Orsino's enemy. A witchcraft drew me hither. That most ungrateful boy there by your side, from the rude seas and raged and foamy mouth, did I redeem. How can this be? When came he to this town? Today, my lord. Olivia enters the dining room searching for Cesario. Here comes the countess. Now heaven walks on earth. Cesario, you do not keep promise with me. Madam. Gracious Olivia. What do you say, Cesario? Good my lord. My lord would speak. My duty hushes me. If it be aught to the old tune, my lord, it is as fat and fulsome to mine ear as howling after music. Still so cruel? Still so constant, my lord. What? To perverseness? You, uncivil lady, to whose ingrate and unauspicious altars my soul the faithfulest offerings hath breathed out that e'er devotion tendered, what shall I do? Even what it please my lord that shall become him. Come, boy, with me. My thoughts are ripe in mischief. I'll sacrifice the lamb that I do love to spite a raven's heart within a dove. And I, most jocund, apt, and willingly to do you rest, a thousand deaths would die. Where goes Cesario? After him I love, more than I love these eyes, more than my life, more by all mores than e'er I shall love wife. I, me, detested! How am I beguiled? Who does beguile you? Who does you wrong? Apparently, Olivia has mistaken Cesario for Sebastian. Hast thou forgot thyself? Is it so long? Come, away. Whither, my lord? Cesario, husband, stay. Husband? I, husband. Can he that deny? Her husband, Sirrah? No, my lord, not I. Fear not, Cesario. Take thy fortunes up. Oh, thou dissembling cub, what wilt thou be when time hath sowed a grizzle on thy case? Or will not else thy craft so quickly grow that thine own trip shall be thine overthrow? Farewell, and take her, but direct thy feet where thou and I henceforth may never meet. My lord, I do protest. Oh, do not swear. Hold little faith, though thou hast too much fear. Sir Andrew runs in, blooded and bruised. For the love of God, a surgeon. Send one presently to Sir Toby. What's the matter? He has broke my head across. And he has given Sir Toby a bloody coxcomb, too. (gasps) Who has done this, Sir Andrew? The Count's gentleman wants Cesario. We took him for a coward, but he's the very devil incarnate. My gentleman, Cesario? God's lifeling, here he is. You you broke my head for nothing. And that, that I did, I was set to do it by Sir Toby. Why do you speak to me? I never hurt you. You drew your sword upon me without cause, but I bespake you fair and hurt you not. (laughs) Sir Toby stumbles in, holding a handkerchief over his bloody head wound. Here comes Sir Toby, halting. You shall hear more. How now, gentlemen? How is it with you? That's all one. He has hurt me. 
And there's the end on it. Away with him. Who hath made this havoc with them? I'll help you, Sir Toby, because we'll be dressed together. <laughs> Will you help? An asshead, and a coxcomb, and a knave, a thin-faced knave, a gull. Oh. Get him to bed, and let his hurt be looked to. Sebastian enters. <gasps> oh. Everyone looks back and forth between him and Cesario. Could there really be two of the same man? Sebastian rushes to Olivia's side. I am sorry, madam. I have hurt your kinsman. You throw a strange regard upon me, and by that I do perceive it has offended you. Pardon me, sweet one, even for the vows we made each other but so late ago. One face, one voice, one habit, and two persons. A natural perspective that is and is not. <gasps> Antonio! Oh, my dear Antonio, how have the hours racked and tortured me since I have lost thee? Yar! Sebastian, are you? Fearst thou that, Antonio? How have you made division of yourself? An apple cleft in two is not more twin than these two creatures. Which is Sebastian? Most wonderful! Sebastian's eyes fall on Viola. Slowly he recognizes the face of his sister. Do I stand there? I never had a brother. Nor can there be in that deity in my nature of here and everywhere. I had a sister whom the blind waves and surges have devoured. Of charity. What kin are you to me? What countryman? What name? What parentage? Of Mezzaline. Sebastian was my father. Such a Sebastian was my brother, too. So went he suited to his watery tomb. Were you a woman, as the rest goes even, I should my tears let fall upon your cheek and say, Thrice welcome, drowned Viola. If nothing lets to make us happy both, but this, my masculine usurped attire, do not embrace me till each circumstance of place, time, fortune, do cohere and jump that I am Viola. So comes it, lady, you have been mistook. If this be so, as yet the glass seems true, I shall have share in this most happy wreck. Orsino gently takes Viola's hand. Boy, thou hast said to me a thousand times thou never shouldst love woman like to me. And all those sayings will I overswear, and those swearings keep as true in soul as doth that orbit continent, a fire that severs days from night. Olivia offers Orsino a smile as Sebastian wraps his arms around her. My lord, so please you these things further thought on, to think me as well a sister as a wife. Madam, I am most apt to embrace your offer. Viola, your master quits you. Here is my hand. You shall from this time be your master's mistress. A sister, you are she. <laughs> Malvolio enters, having finally managed to escape from the basement. He is still cross-gartered and clearly distraught. Is this the madman? Aye, my lord, the same. How now, Malvolio? Madam, you have done me wrong. 
notorious wrong. Have I, Malvolio? No. Lady, you have. Pray you peruse that letter. You must not now deny it is your hand. And tell me, in the modesty of honor, why you have given me such clear lights of favor. Bad me come smiling and cross-gartered to you, to put on yellow stockings and to frown upon Sir Toby and the lighter people. And acting this in an obedient hope, why have you suffered me to be imprisoned? Kept in a dark house, visited by the priest, and made the most notorious geck and gull that e'er invention played on. Tell me why. Alas, Malvolio, this is not my writing. Though I confess much like the character, but out of question, tis Maria's hand. Alas, oh poor fool. How have they baffled thee? Why, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrown upon them. And thus the whirligig of time brings in his revenges. I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. He hath been most notoriously abused. (laughs) Pursue him and entreat him to a peace. Cesario, come. For so you shall be while you are a man. But when in other habits you are seen, Orsino's mistress and his fancy's queen. (laughs) The lovers join hands and move to the dance floor. And that's where we'll leave them for now. Joyfully embraced. Playing on in spite of it all. They really are right when they say anything can happen in Illyria. When that I was and a little tiny boy With hey-ho, the wind and the rain A foolish thing was but a toy For the rain, it raineth every day But when I came to man's estate Hey-ho, the wind and the rain Against knaves and thieves, men shut their gate. For the rain, it raineth every day. But when I came, alas, to wife, hey ho, the wind and the rain, by swaggering could I never thrive. For the Still had drunken heads For the rain it raineth every day A great while ago the world begun Hey ho the wind and the rain But that's 
of the play. Alistair Bogue was the narrator and Malvolio. Ariel Beth Klein, Viola and Mariah. Nathaniel Moore played Sir Andrew, Curio and the Sea Captain. Celesta Rich played Orsino and Sebastian. Alan Guy Wilcox was Sir Toby and Feste. And Brandy Nicole Wilson played Olivia and Antonio. Additional voices were from Adam Raimonda and Bob Raimonda. This audio play has been a co-production of the Theatre at Woods Hill and Rogue Dialogue Productions. It was directed by Rachel Powless and Alan Guy Wilcox. It was produced by Rachel Powless and Bob Raimonda. Text coaching by Kelly Galvin. Script supervision by Bob Raimonda. The music was composed and arranged by Alex Spiegelman. Technical direction and sound design came from Adam Raimonda. Special thanks to the Woods Hill Board of Directors, that is Pat Stone, J.F. Walters, Andrew Guy Wilcox, and Alan Guy Wilcox. And thank you for joining us on this festive Shakespearean adventure. You will hear from us again very soon. <laughs> <laughs>